This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, remembering those who sacrificed for our freedoms on this Memorial Day. Hope you're enjoying your weekend so far and uh, taking time with your family and uh, remembering as well. Coming up on the program today, museums throughout the U.S. and Missouri want more visitors without cost being an issue. A new project by a federal agency is called Museums for All. Ashley Bird will talk with Crosby Kemper, director of the Federal Institute of Museums and Library Services. NASCAR driver Eric Jones of the number 43 car will be on later, racing 600 miles in Charlotte, then coming to the St. Louis area next for the Enjoy Illinois 300 at Worldwide Technology Raceway just across the river in Illinois. It was a successful first year last year, NASCAR returning. So we'll talk with Eric about adjusting from 600 to 300 miles. Albert Pujols Day, KC Wolf Day, some stuff on UFOs and important measures all wrapped into one big bill for Governor Mike Parson. We'll talk with Elisa Nelson to find out what he'll sign. And a group of 98 U.S. military veterans from Missouri are preparing for takeoff. Felisa Nelson is with Mary Paul Sell, president of Central Missouri Honor Flight. Our uh, next flight is coming up this Tuesday, May 30. And believe it or not, it's flight number 66. And uh, if you had asked me uh, about 14 years ago when we started this adventure, um, if... (laughs) we would ever say that, I would have told you it's not possible. Um, But we actually took our first flight in May of 2009 with 35 World War II veterans. Um, We had no idea at that time if anyone would donate to this because it was a recession. Uh, We didn't know if veterans would be interested in going, but We ended up taking seven flights that first year, and uh, with a little time out for the pandemic, of course, um, we've been flying ever since. And so this is flight 66 on May 30. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That is fantastic. Good for Uh you. Yeah. Um, Gosh, uh, 14 years flies by, doesn't it? Well, it really, it really has. And I'll tell you, um, it's been the greatest blessing, uh, I think, of my life. And I think many of our board members and volunteers would agree with that. Um, we, with this flight, we will go over 5,000 veterans that we have taken to Washington, uh, veterans of World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And, um, to be able to sit elbow to elbow with that kind of history and service and commitment and dedication to this nation, I I tell you, I I can't think of anything that could ever surpass that. Um, We are a 501c3. Uh, We do not have any paid staff. We're totally volunteer. Um, Every dollar raised goes directly to put the veterans on the flight. And um, I I must say, none of this would have been possible without the tremendous generosity of Central Missouri and actually people all over the country who have um, been very, very enormously generous with their donations. Um, there There are about 130 hubs like ours across the country, and we hear all the time about how 
hubs have difficulty raising money, um, we have to have two things to fly. We have to have veterans who want to go, and we have to have money in the bank. And um, through the generosity of so many people, literally from across the country, um, we have been able to accomplish this. uh, And we've raised over $7 million uh, to fund these flights. Every flight is about $120,000. And so it's not an inexpensive endeavor, but um, thanks to some very, very generous people, uh, we've been able to make it happen. I've, I always tell other hub leaders, you know, they say, how do you do this? And I said, we, we don't. Um, the people here in Missouri know what right looks like. And uh, they remember the boys from here in the heartland who left home and mom and dad and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and went to serve this nation and their love for them and their respect for them just knows no bounds. So we, we've been just incredibly blessed throughout all of these many years. From watching these veterans visit the nation's capital, like they will be doing on Tuesday, what do you see this trip doing since you've been doing this for 14 years? What do you see this trip doing for our veterans? Well, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, when we started, we were we were just totally consumed with how do we get veterans um, from here to St. Louis to fly to D.C. on buses and, you know, get them all through the day. We were just consumed with the logistics of it because when we started, we really we really weren't sure about what we were doing, but we just stepped out on face. And uh, we learned over the years that, Visiting the the monuments and the memorials is is very impressive and uh, very meaningful to the veterans. What they find to be the most valuable part of the trip, though, is to be seated with one another, to be able to talk openly with other veterans who understand their experiences. Uh, these trips can be quite emotional um, for some of these veterans, and. Um, the support system that's provided by having other veterans with them is really the secret sauce. And so after a few flights, we started getting phone calls from veterans who had flown with us and and telling us that, you know, they're able to sleep through the night for the first time in decades. Um, it, it, it turns out to be a tremendously healing experience. And so the memorials are the reason to go, but what really happens among them and and for them in their hearts and minds, I think, is what has been a tremendous blessing to see. Um, So I think we, we find after every flight that, you know, veterans will approach us and tell us, you know, this was the greatest day of my life. And, um, we find, we find that hard to believe, but they say it with all sincerity. And I think it's because it helps them sort of close the chapter on that difficult part of their lives. And it gives them an opportunity to heal and to heal among people who understand. And so that's really 
that's really the blessing of Honor Flight is what it does for these men and women who have perhaps struggled with memories for so very long. Um, so it's, I, we expect to see again a tremendous amount of emotion, uh, but also a tremendous amount of relief and um, pride. So that's the gift of Honor Flight. You kind of answered part of my next question, which was uh, if some of these veterans, well, do they do they actually do they form some long term bonds with some of the other veterans that are on the trip and and even maybe reconnect with someone they served with many, many years ago? I'll, I'll tell you one brief story. I don't know if you'll have time to include this or not, but uh, several flights ago, the uh, a veteran was sitting with his guardian on the bus into St. Louis, and he he looked a few rows up on the other side of the bus, and he said, do you know who that is up there? And she said, no, I don't, but we can certainly, you know, connect you when we get into St. Louis. Well, the story behind all this was there were three men who served together in combat in Vietnam, and one of them perished. And so when the other two returned to the States and were going to go their separate ways, uh, they took a $2 bill and uh, tore it in half, and each of them took a half, and they just said, well, let's carry this in memory of our friend. Um and so when we got to St. Louis and we were all standing there waiting to go through TSA, these two men looked at each other and, it, you know, they just were like, I know, I know this guy. So they walked over to each other and looked at each other and then they reached into their back pocket, pulled out their wallet and pulled out half of a $2 bill. And... We had, I mean, we had no way of knowing any of this, but that's the kind of miracle that we see all the time on these flights, that people who shared experiences are suddenly back in touch and they stay in touch. So that's a long answer to your question, but yes, it, um, they form tremendous friendships that I think will sustain them for years to come. Central Missouri flight is preparing for takeoff. Mary Paul Sell, uh, the president of Central Missouri flight joins show me today. I'm Elisa Nelson. If you were tuning in late or want to hear more, subscribe to show me today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we really, really, really need these people who have not taken the flight to fill out an application and, and get on board with us because, because we've always had, generous donations and the funds to fly, we've been able to keep up with our waiting list. Um, and so now's the time for everyone who's been waiting to apply. And you can get those applications at centralmissourionorflight.com. Um, you can call me at 573-289-3799 and I will send an application. Um, there are many, many ways for us to, to reach to you and get you an application. So please, please, please apply. And for those of you uh, who are listening and no veterans who haven't gone, please encourage them to do so right away. 
Do you want a wild job? Missouri Department of Conservation is hiring forestry, resource management, and equipment operator staff in your area. As part of our wild team, you'll have the chance to work at our state's stunning conservation areas and recreational use sites, protecting and managing Missouri's diverse wildlife and nature resources. Whether you are a resource management mastermind or a seasoned equipment operator, we want you to join our team. Unleash your wild side. Apply today at jobs.mdc.mo.gov. Since Missouri's agricultural community joined together to help support the launch of Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids in 2017, the drive has generated 11,224,132 meals that have all been donated to Missourians in need. Together, we can get Missouri food products on the plates of hungry Missouri children and their families. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. One in seven Missouri children is food insecure, not knowing where their next meal may come from. Drive to Feed Kids is a year-round effort of Missouri farmers, agribusiness, and farm groups to address food insecurity in our state. Through meal packing events, gifted food products, hog processing, and monetary donations, the ag community provides support to the agencies serving our most vulnerable citizens. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more. That's mofarmerscare.com drive and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or know how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we understand what you are going through, and we are here to help. Our vision is to build a mentally healthy nation for all. We work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit MentallyHealthyNation.org to learn more. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack and Elisa Nelson joining us. There is a giant bill that is sitting on the desk of Governor Mike Parson that um, I'm assuming he will sign. But uh, this covers a, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Elisa, is this what they refer to as uh, as pork inside a bill? Or is this one of those things where there's so many things that they just they want to pass that yeah, just lump it all together and then one signing and then that's it. I would say that uh, you're right on that second part. You know, once you get to um, closer to the end of the session, what lawmakers like to do is if their bill really hasn't picked up steam at that point, but there is one that is uh, similar in nature 
they can try and attach their bill to the one that's closer to the finish line, and uh, in hopes of it actually passing. And that's what you have here. Okay. Now, can Governor Parson inside that bill? Can he cross this? Like I said, no, no, no. And we're going to get into some of these folks. So we'll get into some of the the key ones here, but can he go through it individually and say, well, I'm not putting this part into it, or once he sign, he's got to sign it, it's all or nothing? All or nothing in policy bills. Um, so he can explain why he has vetoed a bill, and, and you know, if he just says, you know what, I don't like Casey Wolf Day in this, yeah, uh, and, and this is why I am vetoing this bill, <laughs> then um, he can do that. Now, it, when we're talking about the state budget proposal that the Missouri legislature passes, he can line item veto things. So okay. he can he can do that with the budget. Yeah. So it's a little different. All right. Casey Wolf, by the way, is the mascot for the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, let's talk about one of the more important things that are in here. And then we'll get to Casey and Casey Wolf and some of the other stuff we'll, we'll talk about. But um, explain the legislative effort that would pay for the designations to honor fallen military members and law enforcement officers. Yeah. So, you know, there were 13 U.S. military members who died in, if you can remember back to 2021, when America pulled out of Afghanistan one of the Missouri soldiers was killed. We're talking about U.S. Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz of Wentzville. What this bill uh, would do was it would ask the state to pay for all costs associated with the designation of memorial highways, bridges, and VS- VFW posts that honor fallen military members, law enforcement officers, and firefighters. Elisa Nelson joining us here on Show Me Today, and we're talking about one final bill, a big bill that is uh, on the desk of Governor Mike Parson. Uh, one of the things included in this uh, would be an Albert Pujols Day. Well, his own day would be, if the governor signed this, uh, th- signs this bill, it would be January 16th every year being designated as Albert Pujols Day. And the bill sponsor, State Representative Marlon Anderson out of St. Louis City, uh, he, he talks about designating January 16th as Albert Pujols Day. And I just want to give homage. You know, so many times, we wait until someone is deceased to give them. I believe in giving people their flowers while they can still smell them. And Albert Pujols <laughs> is arguably one of the greatest Cardinals and one of the greatest baseball players in general. I love that. Uh, that that's a great line. <laughs> but explain the part of the bill about the German Heritage Corridor. Well, uh, yeah. So let me see here. So... You know, Missouri's German Heritage Corridor, it spans the Missouri River from St. Louis City all the way over to uh, western Missouri uh, in Lafayette County. So State Representative Rick So State Representative Rick Francis wants to add Perry County to the corridor um, and he talks about sponsoring the bill that looks to Perry County's historic past. Perry County had German immigration starting as early as the 1820s and it continued through the 1880s and we have examples of advertisements during that time that were sent back to Germany describing Perry County as a place that all should come to live. This bill also brings attention to UFOs. What is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that something? Okay. So, yeah. So in 1973, there were hundreds 
of UFO sightings reported in Piedmont in Wayne County in southeast Missouri. So Representative Chris Dinkins, uh, she proposed a bill this session that aims to bring attention to what people reported seeing like 50 years ago. And um, she even had Dennis Hovis of Piedmont. He talked about the sightings uh, that really put southeast Missouri uh, on the UFO map back then. And so this is also a part of that bill. Yeah. Uh, why does the chief's mascot need a need a day? I don't know. Don't ask me. I'll tell you why, at least, because <laughs> he is a hero. He is a hero. I, I talked why? about Well, I, I teased this um, uh, a few days ago on the show when I was wrapping up that uh, we were going to talk about this. But uh, I had mentioned that it was at, when I was at a Raiders game, and then I thought about it a little bit more. Actually, the Vikings, it doesn't matter, but they were playing the Vikings. And uh, this fan jumps out to uh, to our right, out of like the east end zone, jumps out onto the field. And he starts running running the field. And, and it was like during a, a, a timeout, like a TV timeout, too, because the players are just kind of standing around the field. And he's running in between the Vikings, and the security guards are trying to you know, chase him down and he's making his way across the 50 and he's going to go to the other end zone. And these security guards are chasing him and they're, they're kind of closing in on him, but the guy's still got a good, you know, 10 yards distance. And here comes Casey Wolf from the, the back of the end zone. And he's like stomping his feet and his, his arms are flexed. And he's like, I'm going to stop this guy. And the guy makes it to the end zone. He puts his hand. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to score an imaginary touchdown. He ran the full 100 yards. Right as the guy gets to the end zone, the security guards had caught up to him, and they pounce on him. He gets hammered. And there they are, three security guards on top of this guy. And then Casey Wolf is not done yet. He comes in and does like this wrestling move where he just leaps in the air and lands on all four of these guys, security guards and everything. <laughs> And he bounces off of him, you know, this big wolf head and everything, and his, the big stomach he's got. And they haul this guy off, and he's standing around just flexing his muscles. It was the the funniest thing that I'd ever seen at a sporting event. Casey Wolf taking all the credit for taking this guy down, and he did absolutely nothing. So when I saw that Casey Wolf <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I just immediately went back to that scene. And I thought that was one of the funniest mascot moves that I've ever seen that he. Well, this yeah. would designate uh, Casey Wolf. Uh, this would designate November 23rd of each year as Casey Wolf Day. Maybe he needs an entire month for that one. Yeah, maybe. Listen, I mean, he's, he, he stayed out of trouble. You know, he never shot any hot dogs into people's eyes <laughs> like, like Slugger from the Royals. Yeah, you know, right. Does, I remember that. Does Fred I Bird laugh about that? No, I know. But... Yeah. Does Fred Bird have a day? Do we know if Fred Bird has a day? That is a great question. Yeah. If it hasn't been done, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, Casey Wolf Day. All right. Well, yeah, that that should pass as well. So, all right. Well, it was interesting. Some good stuff. UFOs and Albert Pujols and Casey Wolf. Some interesting things that uh, that will pass. And we and we expect the governor to sign this, right? I mean, it's a he doesn't tip his hand, but. The uh, you know I I think there are if we had sports provisions. betting at least if we had sports betting <laughs> in this state if we had the the wherewithal to actually pass a sports betting bill would you bet yes that he would sign this? 
Would I bet yes that he would sign this? Uh, I would bet yes that he, yes. Right. I, I I mean it's <laughs> it's pretty low key of of uh, many of the other bills that are out there. This seems like a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, interesting stuff. All right, Elisa. Well, great uh, visiting with you. Uh, enjoy the long Memorial weekend and uh, rest up, and we'll talk soon. You do the same. All Thank right. you. Yeah, this is Show Me Today, the Voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking during the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? 
No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. In a couple of weekends, NASCAR is coming back to the St. Louis area for the Enjoy Illinois 300, a huge success for Worldwide Technology Raceway a year ago. Joining me is Eric Jones, the driver of the number 43 U.S. Air Force Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 for Legacy Motor Club. Eric, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, you just raced at North Wilkesboro. It was nice to see that track return to NASCAR. How was it? It was good. You know, they put a lot of work in that place over the last uh, last year or so to get it ready for the all-star race last weekend. And um, it was fun to be out there. Had a huge crowd, excited crowd. And uh, the track was in good shape, you know, it was for, for the uh, for the age on it. And um, it was just fun to go out there and get to uh, experience a new oval. You know, I don't think anybody that was in that race has ever ran a race there before uh, in anything, you know, so it was fun to do that. And it was a tough track, too. It was, it was slick and wore out as I guess you would imagine it would be for being, you know, 40 plus year old asphalt. So, um, had a lot of fun though. It was a great all-star race. Definitely thinking back to the all-star races I've been a part of, you know, probably the most enthusiasm that we've had from anybody, uh, going into the race. Eric Jones, NASCAR driver of the number 43 car joining us here on show me today, of course, uh, driven by the great Richard Petty. Do you feel a, a different, a certain responsibility driving the number 43 car upholding that reputation? Well, I think you, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I, I would say over the last few years, goals, you know, were, were just different. You know, getting in the 43 car, it had been a handful of years since 43 had won and wanted to uh, wanted to be the guy for sure that got back to victory lane in the 43 car, and we able we were able to do that last year. But, you know, I definitely feel the, um, you know, the history of the number and, and what you want, you know, so many fans, longtime fans of that car and, and Richard and, and what that car's done over the last you know, 60 years, 70 years in the sport. So for me, it's just kind of continuing to grow that, that legacy of the, of the 43 car and trying to make my own mark in the 43 car as well. So, you know, you do feel that a little bit and you want to go run well for uh, obviously the longtime fans. And for me, wanting to run well for Richard, you know, he wants to see uh, his car and his program go out and run well, obviously the success, you know, that he had in the sport over uh, his time, you want to continue to carry that on. So, just continuing to try to grow and get the program better for him has, has definitely been a big goal of mine over the last three years. And Richard has teamed up with Jimmy Johnson to form Legacy Motor Club, but what's it like being around Richard and Jimmy? I mean, the wealth of knowledge there has to be incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. You know, obviously got to know Richard pretty well over the last couple of years and, and talking with him has been fun. And then knowing, you know, knowing Jimmy a long time, um, more as just a competitor than, than anything else. And um, it's been you know, different working with him in this role, uh, obviously him as the team owner now and, and part-time driver, you know, as a teammate here, a few races this season coming up again uh, this weekend at Charlotte, but it's, it's been pretty neat, you know, just hearing the kind of the perspective that those guys have, 
uh, on the sport and where it's at and on the teams and what they see as far as, you know, what we have to do to make our program better uh, has just been fun to learn from over the last few years. So, you know, Jimmy's definitely brought in a different um, perspective this season on what, you know, he sees as the future of the program. And I think it's going to, you know, continue to grow uh, our group, you know, into the longtime future of, of where we really want to see ourselves as a race team. Legacy needs to uh, petition NASCAR. You need to split the difference between 43 and Jimmy Johnson's 48. Can you do like 45 and a half, 45.5? <laughs> Make your yeah, own, car- yeah, carve your own number. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get a little bit of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Hey, driving 600 miles, how much more taxing is that on your body than, say, the 300-mile race that uh, you'll be at the following weekend here in the St. Louis area? definitely feel like you need a little more rest after that one you know 600 miles is um is a long time in the car usually i think the race last year was over five five hours five and a half hours somewhere around there so you know a normal race for us is only um you know at the most pushing three hours so it's uh it's definitely a long race and with next-gen carts become a little bit longer with uh, the overall pace and then just the fall off that the next-gen car has seems to be a little bit more at charlotte so it's uh it's tough you know and stuff on your body stuff on your mind um, you know, I definitely Sunday night, pretty drained, usually in Monday, even feeling pretty drained after that one. So it's, it's definitely a long race and, and you don't think it's going to be much different going in, but when you get to that halfway point of the race and realize you still got another, um, 300 miles, another whole Xfinity race, basically it kind of puts things in perspective, but definitely, it's definitely a tough race. Eric, what gets tired first, your legs or your arms, or is, is there any part of your body that you feel physically? I would say it's it's more uh, mentally taxing, really. I feel pretty good as far as the body, you know, with the training and the hydration we put in. But, you know, getting to that 400-mile mark, 500-mile mark is kind of when it's just hard to start to continue to keep your focus, you know, continue to stay locked in on what you're doing. You start seeing guys making more mistakes, and um, you're, you're just not staying locked in lap after lap. So that's that's the biggest thing. It's just continuing to – it reminds me more of a super speedway race and kind of how you got to – keep your focus for those uh, those entire less races. So definitely, you know, I found myself focused at times in the 600 and can just, you know, stay locked in for all 600 miles. Uh, that's really the most important thing I found. At the Illinois, at the at the Enjoy Illinois 300 last year at Worldwide Technology Raceway, uh, you finished seventh on the mile and a quarter track. What kind of challenges does that track present to drivers? Because that was the, the first time for that track, too, for you. Yeah, Worldwide Technology is unique. I uh, I had been there in the trucks, but uh, never obviously in the Cup cars. Our first time there last year, so it was it was a lot different, you know, in the Cup car and and that track's a bit challenging just with the two ends being so different. It reminds me a little bit of Phoenix, the way one and two and three and four are shaped and laid out, and one and two being really tight, and three and four being a pretty big sweeping corner. But um, you know, I had never run on the repave, uh, which has been a few years now since the repave, but that was my first time on it, so. I uh, thought it was good, though. It's really racing the next-gen car. saw, obviously, a ton of action. Um, let, luckily, we, we managed to avoid and, and have a solid day without uh, all the excitement. But, um, you know, I'm excited to get back there and just see what we got. I think our short track pro- program has been getting better and better um, and hope that we can kind of have that same kind of speed and momentum that we had last year. So, so I thought the racing was really good. You know, I thought you were able to go out, race, pass, and get around guys and do different stuff. And, um, you know, it was a fun race last year. It was quick, you know, 300 300 miles around there is not a super long race, so it's kind of a different cup race than what we do normally week to week. So that that was the part I think we all kind of enjoyed. 
Eric, before we let you go, I know you're uh, very charitable. Talk about some of the stuff uh, that, that you're working on. Yeah, it's been uh, a big month for us. May is Melanoma Awareness Month, so we've been doing a lot of stuff this weekend going into Charlotte for the 600. Um, we're handing out some some um, some booklets and some information on protecting yourself in the sun and what you can do on race day uh, to keep yourself healthy and handing out some sunscreen samples. So um, Melanoma Awareness has been a big part of the foundation um, and what we do, so that's been the biggest thing this month. And obviously the stuff we do with children's, children's reading uh, and animal welfare as well with the Eric Jones Foundation. But, yeah, May's been a big month for us. It has been the last few years, so uh, looking forward to this weekend in Charlotte and uh, continuing to spread awareness about it. Eric Jones, the driver of the number 43 NASCAR, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you in uh, St. Louis here pretty soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Brad. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Having enough food is a concern for many Missouri families, and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. As many as one in eight Missourians face food insecurity every day. Among children, the numbers are even higher. To ensure Missouri children have the food they need to thrive, Missouri's agricultural community launched Drive to Feed Kids six years ago. Visit MoFarmersCare.com slash drive to learn more and join the efforts. As many as one in eight Missourians face food insecurity every day, and among children, the numbers are even higher. The Drive to Feed Kids Hogs for Hunger program gives Missouri pig farmers and 4-H and FFA swine exhibitors the opportunity to address hunger in their communities by committing pigs locally or at the Missouri State Fair. One pig can feed more than 500 Missourians in need. Learn how you can participate at mofarmerscare.com slash drive. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today. Ashley Bird now is with Crosby Kemper, the director of the Federal Institute of Museum and Library Services, talking about getting more and more visitors into museums across not only Missouri, but the U.S. The Torch Run, it's more than a run. Um, Everybody thinks the Torch Run is just this run that officers do across the state once a year. But actually, the Law Enforcement Torch Run for Special Olympics is um, an organization where law enforcement has chosen Special Olympics worldwide as their charity of choice. And so all year long, they're raising funds and um, doing events to raise awareness for Special Olympics and their local programs. So here in Missouri, we have officers from all across the state who work really hard all year to raise money for our program. Um, And they're actually our largest fundraisers in the state of Missouri for Special Olympics Missouri. And they raise well over a million dollars every single year. So last year they raised $1.3 million for Special Olympics Missouri just by doing multiple different fundraisers. And then in the month of May leading up to our state summer games, officers take to the road and they run. um, And it's just an awareness piece. It's not a fundraiser. It's just an awareness piece that, hey, we support Special Olympics Missouri and we're heading to Columbia for their state summer games. Join us in 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 supporting these athletes. So um, the run does happen in May, but it's so much more than a run. And just to clear up any confusion, you said that the run itself is not a fundraiser, but didn't you just say that uh, a million dollars was raised by the Torch Run organization? Uh, Can you clear that up for us? Yes, yes. So the run itself, the actual run that they're doing, the two weeks of running that the officers are doing, is not a fundraiser. They're not raising money during that run. When they're raising money is other times throughout the year by putting on multiple different fundraisers like Tip-A-Cops and they sell T-shirts and um, cops on a rooftop, different things like that is what raises the money, not actually the run. All right. Got that. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about how this, how the, the torch run got started. How long ago did it start in Missouri? Um, or, you know, if it started somewhere else, uh, give us a little bit of the history of what it was like when it started and how it came to be what it is now. Sure. So it was actually started in Kansas by Chief Richard Lemonian. Um, and he just got a group of officers together and they over 40 years ago and decided to, um, raise a little bit of money and partner with special Olympics by going to their games and awarding medals to the athletes. And then it just took off from there. And here in Missouri, um, in 1986, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Beely with the Missouri state highway patrol, he kind of decided to get it started here in Missouri, and he talked to the Missouri Police Chiefs Association about um, getting them behind it, and so um, they did. They got behind it. They started with a run, and at that time, the run did raise money. They raised $15,000 in the first year of the torch run here in Missouri, um, and then they started creating T-shirts and selling T-shirts, and that 
is kind of how it took off with the different agencies across the state was the Missouri Police Chiefs Association backed Colonel Ralph Beely, and then um, they got the chiefs involved at each municipality in their area, and they started selling these T-shirts, and then it just took off. People started doing different fundraisers. They would sit on billboards um, until they raised a certain amount of money, and then they would come down, and they would um, just whatever it took to raise some money, and they always came to our games and awarded the medals to the athletes, and they still do that to this day, and really that's what hooks an officer. If they can get there and award a medal to an athlete and get that high five or the hug and the excitement from the athlete, that's really what hooks them, and then they just want to keep doing more. So, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Bealey started it here in Missouri in 1986, and it's just continued to grow, and now it's this million-dollar fundraising event across the state every year and with, you know, hundreds of officers. We have 850 runners this year, but, you know, throughout the year, we probably have a thousand officers that do things as far as fundraising and coming out to the events and supporting um, our athletes in one way or another. You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Crystal Schuster. She's the Senior Director of Community Development with Missouri Special Olympics. Now, a torch run, I guess a torch run does involve a route, or at least in this case, um, many routes. Uh, tell us about um, how many routes are there? I'm, I'm assuming, I, I haven't seen the map yet, but I'm assuming that there, there are several routes depending on where each agency is located, and do they run to Jefferson City? They do not. So we have 36 different routes across the state. So in Special Olympics Missouri's law enforcement torch run is divided into regions, and we coincide with the highway patrol troops. So every region has runs that happen within their region. And then um, some of those runners will come to Columbia for our state summer games to do what we call the final leg. And the final leg is a quick little run through Columbia, and then we run into our opening ceremonies at um, our state summer games opening ceremonies and then we light the cauldron and that's how the games are the games begin for the weekend so that the routes don't actually lead to one central area but they're running throughout their cities within their own communities and within their own regions um, it's a it's really a great opportunity for the communities to come out and support the officers we try to get athletes to run with the officers um, or to line the sidewalks and cheer on the officers it's kind of a reversal of what the officers are used to doing for our athletes um, and, and in, in exchange our athletes are coming out and cheering on our officers so while they don't all lead to one central point um, we do have officers that come to columbia for our state summer games and run in that final leg how long are the routes do they vary by um do they vary they're all the same length they vary they vary um depending on the city and the location and where they're running um the the point of the torch run is to be visible to the community so like we have a route that runs in the st charles area that starts at the ameristar casino and it runs all the way out to Wright City. So they're running, you know, along I-70 on the service road all the way out to Wright City. So that's a really long route, but we have different agencies that pick up along the way. So it's not the same people running that entire route. But then we have agents, agencies that just run, you know, throughout their communities and end in their town squares. It just really depends on the size of the community and the size of the police department. Are they, and they're all are they all one day runs? 
They are, yes. And it's called a torch run. Is uh, that implies somebody's carrying a torch? Is there is there some type of torch carrying or relay involved as well? There is. Um, all of the routes have a a torch with the flame of hope lit for um, everyone to see as they're running. And so every region has a has a torch in their region, and then um, each route will they'll exchange that torch from route to route. I guess I'm guess I'm trying to picture it in my mind. So there's not well, like one person running at a time and then waiting for the next torch bearer. There's maybe just, there's actually maybe three or four people running at the same time. One of them's carrying a torch. That's correct. Yes. Roughly how many people, how many law enforcement uh, officers take part in this on, on average uh, uh, per year? Um, just the run part or in, as just their the, fundraising efforts overall? Well, just the run part. And then also we can address uh, fundraising. Sure. So this year we have um, just a little over 850 runners across the state. So um, we've had as much as 2,000 runners before um, pre-COVID when things were a little bit easier um, to have access to runners. Um, Fort, Fort Leonard Wood used to have a big group that ran with us and COVID kind of changed that for them. So, um, but we have 850 runners. It's the most we've had since COVID. So we're really excited to see those numbers go up. And those 850 runners are coming from 102 agencies from across the state. So 102 law enforcement agencies are supporting this run. When is the run or when or when are the runs? I'm, is, I'm assuming there's maybe more than one date for all of these or is this all happening yes. on the same dates? Go ahead. Nope. There are, um, there's more than one. It actually spans over a two-week time period. So they start the week of May 22nd, and they run through um, our final lake happens on June 2nd in Columbia. And I'm assuming since this has become such a big event that um, that perhaps planning for 2024 is it, maybe it's not officially underway yet, but I'm guessing there's some uh, preliminary actions uh, to already planned for next year's torch run am i right there sure so as soon as this run is over um they will start securing dates for next year um we do may have it coincide with our state summer games so once the dates for state summer games are set for 2024 then we um set the dates for the run and the the lake coordinators we call them lake coordinators so the route coordinators they all um start picking their dates and um securing any permits and stuff that have to be done throughout the city for the run. You've been listening to um, Crystal Schuster. She's the Senior Director of Community Development for Special Olympics of Missouri, and we're talking about one of the biggest events leading up to the Special Olympics, and that is the Law Enforcement Torch Run. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Show Me Today.